MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sattenberg here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R, where we will look to keep the uh, momentum going in the Major League Baseball season, feeling really good about the way we are analyzing the big board as we look through uh, all the schedule of games uh, so far in the season to recap the records in Major League Baseball. Uh, The play of the day which we started on uh, opening day, one top play every day of the baseball season. That is now 15-5-1 since opening day. So Every day, today's top pick was the Cardinals. It hit. Uh, then about a week or so ago, started giving out plays on the Daily Best Bets, bets the Daily Best Bets page up on vcin.com. And just, you know, giving out. Sometimes I give out six picks a day. Today we had six picks. I had the play of the day in the morning, and then I gave out five picks later in the day. Those picks went four and two overall today. Although, could have been four, one, and one if one of your bets got voided. That's what happened to me. I had the Pirates team total over two and a half runs. Um, Pirates had their top lineup in, really, with uh, Brian Reynolds back in the lineup after he missed a game because of, you know, being on the COVID list or whatever, the close contact list, all that stuff. And um, basically what happened was Wilson, Bryce Wilson was the starting pitcher. And they decided to go with an opener. And Dylan Peters opened the game, which voided bets on the game because it was a different pitcher that was announced. So you can go with listed pitchers on a bet. You can go with action, a lot of things. Uh, but anyway, um, that bet got voided. But if it didn't, I still mark it. I still grade it. And uh, I grade it as a loss because they lost the game 3-1. to one. And I was just watching the highlights um, of that because I saw the play in real time, but I didn't even think of it because we were watching it at Stadium Swim. So it's not like I got a chance to watch the replay. Um, but... I was watching the replay of the game of, of the play, the double the the double play that was turned on Cabrian Hayes by Willie Adamas and Colton Wong was so nasty. This was the play of the game. 
it was a 0-0 game as both teams were getting no hit through the first five innings. And it's first and third for the Pirates with nobody out and Cabrian Hayes up. Honestly, in that role, I feel fantastic. Cabrian Hayes smokes a ball up the middle that probably should have gotten by for a hit. And if it does, Pirates score one run, and then it's first and third again with nobody out. And it would have brought up uh, Dan Vogelbach to the plate where maybe it's a sack fly and it's 2 nothing, Whatever. But Colton Wong made a diving play that um, led to a glove flip of the ball to Willie Adames for the ridiculous 4-6-3 double play. Now, the Pirates scored a run on that play, but it wound up ending the inning. So that was uh, pretty crazy there um, of what happened. And that was in, what I say that was? That was in the sixth inning, the bottom of the sixth inning, okay? So in that, that play right there, Cabrian Hayes, all right, 94.7 exit velo, which is pretty good, but an expected batting average of 220. So I guess they're saying that because of the shift, that play gets made a lot, and so uh, the ex- you know expected batting average, not that high. It's not that low. It's not like this was an assumed out, but 220 is not exactly high. Now, you want to talk about expected batting averages. At one point watching this Mets game against the Cardinals, I was very frustrated because Steven Matz had a bad second inning. Cardinals take a one nothing lead in the first inning. Sorry for you, no run first inning betters. Cardinals take a one nothing lead in the first inning. And in the top of the second inning, there are two there are two outs. And Steven Matz gives up. Well, first of all, earlier in the inning, Steven Matz gives up a pop-up. Pop-up to um, Mark Canna. A pop-up that um, actually falls in for a hit. Oh, excuse me, no, it was Eduardo Escobar. It falls in for a, a, a single. The expected batting average on that hit, .70. Then, with two outs... Luis Guillorme hits a ground ball up the middle that goes off of Steven Matz's glove. Now, dude, and right behind him, like, was the shortstop, ready, uh, um, uh, DeYoung, ready to make the play. If Steven Matz doesn't touch the ball, the inning's over, and the Cardinals are up one nothing. But it's just instinct. You're an athlete. You're a player. You throw the ball, the ball gets hit back to you, you reach down your glove, and you try and make a play. It goes off of his glove. DeYoung still tries to make the play at first, can't make the play, everyone is safe. Next batter, Tomas Nito hits a double, scores two runs. Next batter, Brandon Nimmo hits a double, scores two runs. And before you know it, 4-1 to Cardinals. The expected batting average on Luis Guillorme's single that went off the glove, .8, .80. They had two hits that inning 
that had less than a .90 expected batting average. Fluky plays like that, it just happens. But I tweeted it out at the time because it was just another example of when I say context matters, that's what matters. Context matters. Why did the result happen this way? What happened in the game? Can't just look at the box score and the result and say, okay, he pitched good or he pitched bad. What happened? What led to the runs being scored? You know, for, for a team like the Yankees going up, uh, the handicap the other day when I had the Yankees team total uh, going up against um, Lyles. It's like, all right, well, he only allowed one run last time he faced him. Yeah, but the dude had the bases loaded two of the first three innings. And he had two runners on in two other innings. And, yeah, they didn't push the runs across. But you know what? You keep getting runners on base, especially in a ballpark like Yankee Stadium, one fly ball to right field, that's three runs. So you always have to look at all of those situations as to how it plays out. All of those situations. So let's take a look at the board. And here's where I've kind of, couple of spots that I've circled. First off, you look at the getaway day sweep avoidance and the Pirates fit the mold. Brewers are going for the sweep. Brewers are going to get out of town. And uh, I like that. Same thing with the Reds against the Padres. Padres looking for the sweep, looking to get out of town. Orioles and Yankees kind of fit the mold, but I'm a little hesitant. Not just because it's the Yankees and the Orioles, but the Yankees here on Tuesday night, or on Wednesday night, my days run into each other, they started Trevino behind the plate. So they started a backup catcher, meaning tomorrow during the day game, their starting catcher, Kyle Higashioka is going to play. They also did not use any of their top relievers in this game against the Orioles, including their closer, Araldis Chapman, which means that tomorrow against the Orioles in this day game, the big guns out of the pen are available. That's not a good situation to bet against. So I might stay away from that one there. The Rockies and the Phillies. Phillies looking for a four-game sweep. But this one, not so much that applies for me because the Phillies aren't looking to get out of town. The Phillies... I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. They're playing the Mets next. They're not rushing to hop on a plane. And yeah, it is a day game after a night game, but they have their ace on the hill. Well, I guess you could say Aaron Nola's their ace, but it's Zach Wheeler. Now, Wheeler hasn't been good. So if, the, if you want to fade anybody on the, the, the Phillies pitching staff, right now it would be Zach Wheeler. Gave up four runs against Milwaukee his last time out, seven runs against Miami the time before that. And you're just wondering, hey, is this guy going to get right or what? So it could be a situation to fade the Phillies. But I don't know how much I like it because it doesn't exactly fall into the whole um, getaway day theme. And much like the Yankees did, the Phillies started Garrett Stubbs behind the plate in this win over the Rockies, meaning tomorrow in the day game, their starting catcher, JT Real Muto, will be in the lineup. Marlins Nationals quite possibly could fit the mold. Marlins looking to get out of town. Tigers Twins with the tie with the Twins looking to uh, uh, finish the sweep, but the Twins will after this game against the Tigers hop on a flight to Tampa for a game on Friday. A lot of interesting spots on the Major League schedule. Let's get back into the NFL draft coming up next. We have a special guest joining us. He is a former or current football scout, former assistant coach and administrator. Chris Landry will join me here on The Look At. Low and steady wins, stacks of cash. Join the Old Forester Turtle Derby Challenge and compete free for your share of $5,000. Enter the free-to-play pool and make your Turtle Derby predictions for a shot at your share of the cash. Head to DraftKings.com slash Old Forrester to get in on the action. Old Forrester never gets old. 21 and over only, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Want to welcome in now uh, our old friend of the program, uh, Chris Landry, is a football scout coach and consultant who still consults with every NFL team and most every major college football program. Chris has spent time on staff with the Cleveland Browns working uh, under Bill Belichick alongside Nick Saban, uh, spent many years in the Tennessee Titans 
front office um, responsible for drafting the likes of Steve McNair, Eddie George, and others. Um, and, of course, uh, his tenure at LSU, where they did hire Nick Saban and win the national championship. So Chris has been around and um, has just a wealth of knowledge, runs a website called LandryFootball.com, which is basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about the sport of football. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. And he joins us here on the look ahead on VCND Sports Betting Network. Chris, thanks so much for giving us a couple of minutes. And I want you to take us inside the facilities right now or this week. What is going on in the buildings with these teams in the days leading up to and ultimately to the night before the NFL draft? Well, all the evaluations are done. You, you make sure that your final board is set, you know, three, four days ago. And what you deal with right now in the past few days is uh, what we call draft management, draft strategy, which is you're looking at different situations. So the draft is a lot different than, than it's people talk about in the media. You go in and there's 32 different looking draft boards. So 32 different teams, 32 teams have their own guys some of which are benefits for them uh, for any number of reasons. Just the players are ranked differently. I'm not talking about needs now. I'm just talking about players. And what you're doing is you really try to figure out what's the best way to maximize getting the players that you want, which may necessitate moving up. Um, You know, for example, if you're sitting there and you're 15th or 16th and you really love a player that you think is probably not going to be there when you get there and when it gets to you. So you're thinking maybe, all right, look, if they're there at eight, they're at nine, do we, do we want to try to make a move up? And then do you have one guy there that stands out above the rest, or do you have two or three? If you have two or three, then you can play the averages of we can get one of those guys. But if it's one guy in particular that you like, then you, you – We'll certainly look at what would what would be what would we offer to go up to this spot, to this spot, to this spot, and then the reverse is true. What if the three guys that we really like, let's say they're three, and they're they're clean off the board? Who would we take then? Obviously, we'd prefer to move down because we've got six guys that we feel are graded pretty equally. So we'd love to move down at least six spots so that we can get something in return and still get one of those guys. So a lot of that is going through different situations um, and ideas, talking to people around the league, trying to get a feel for where things might go. You don't really, you're not really concerned about what somebody else does other than what they do will affect who's going to be on still left on your board when you pick. So you try to strategize and go through those scenarios as best you can, because it's like a game plan for a game. You go in with every circumstance covered, and so that when you when you get maybe on the clock um, Thursday night, then you, you're ready to go. You know what you're willing to give up to to move up or to move down. And then Scott, a lot of it's a lot like luck. Just it really is a lot like a game. Like you, you make a bad play call, and the ball bounces the right way. I spent all morning trying to trade up to get Javon Curse, And he fell right in our lap at 16. I mean, I tried to go up as high as 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And last, 
with Tampa, we wanted him so bad we were willing to give the Bucks a third round pick to move up one spot. And you know, they said, "No, we got a guy. We're going to stay." And then we found out it was Pilgrim McFarland, who was a good player. But you know, so I guess what I'm saying is, you can go through all of that, but just like in a game, sometimes luck, you know, falls right in your lap, and sometimes bad luck. I've had situations where you really, really liked four guys, and you're picking at twenty. And, man, it's looking good, Scott. I mean, it's just, it's 12, it's 15. We've got all of these guys. All of a sudden, boom, 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 and boom. All four of those suckers go off right before you pick. And you're slamming so hard on the table that your fist is likely going to go through it. But it's like you don't know. And you've got to be prepared for every circumstance um, in every situation. The year we drafted Eddie George, it was, you know, we, we moved down in the draft from nine. And we felt like, I think a lot of people thought that we liked somebody else because we kind of told people we did. But Eddie George was our guy all along. And and in the end, we moved down and we were able to get Eddie George. And with the fourth-round pick we got from the Raiders to move up with us, we got John John Runyon, who's a Pro Bowl tackle. So you go through a lot of those situations. But like any game plan situation, you know, you got to be prepared for more situations than you're ever going to be able to act upon. I'm so glad you just said that's because what we wanted other teams to know. Because how much do you read into all the information or misinformation that's being floated around the past couple of days? I think they're, they're first of all, it used to be the, the more information you hear, you can pretty much assume that that's not true. Because I think in the old days with us old crusty football guys, we we'd kind of make sure that we didn't want anybody to snooker us and you know have an idea who we liked and what have you because we didn't want anybody to move in ahead of us. I still think some of that takes place, but I, Scott, I'm going to tell you what's changed over the years. And I still am doing a lot of been a lot of meetings this week, doing a lot of consulting work for teams. It's a younger group. No, nothing against younger guys, but it's a lot of guys that's in the information age, grew up in the information age, and they're really concerned about the PR part of it. So, like, a lot of times, you know, there's what's the old political theory like they do in Congress? They float out an idea for a bill, and they see where the public, you know, perception is, and then whether if it's positive or negative, oh, no, no, we'd never make that bill. You know, and if it is, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And I think a lot of that is, Let's float out that we might want a certain guy to see where that is. And and a lot of times, particularly from an ownership standpoint, they're concerned about the PR. So I think some of it has some validity. Um, The other part of it is you want to create a little bit of a smokescreen to get some play for your pick. You know if you're picking one or picking two, you know who's going to be there. Certainly at one, everyone's there at two, everyone but one, and you can go through the scenarios. But you'd sure like to get your phone to ring. And if, for example, if you think, and I'm not saying that they think this, but if you're a Detroit or somebody that that uh, maybe would like to move down and get another pick, um, you know, people said, well, what do you make of them bringing in a couple of quarterbacks? Well, a lot of it is, what if Carolina – is interested in a quarterback at six. Well, if they have a feeling, right or wrong, but if they have a feeling that Detroit might be willing to trade 
at with somebody at two, meaning, in other words, they send the smoke signal that, hey, you know what, they might consider a quarterback or they might be willing to trade or they – well, then all of a sudden, if you're Carolina at six and you really like a quarterback at six and it's one quarterback that you really like, then are you going to run the risk of him being there at six and somebody, I don't know, just say like Atlanta jumps you? Or are you going to secure him and give up something to get him at two? Now, people might say, oh, well, they don't need to move up to two. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But do you know? And if you really love one of those guys, you're going to let him get away. Uh, would anybody be concerned about uh, giving up too much to get the next Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I think not. No. So it all goes down to the evaluation. So a lot of that is the reason why I think you have to take what is said out there with a grain of salt because everybody's got their agenda. And if to me, if it's being leaked out to the media, it's being leaked out to the media for a reason. For other consumption, and take that as you will. Chris, do me a favor. Hang on with me for another segment because I want to get to some of your talent evaluations coming up next, okay? You bet. He is Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and consultant. The website is LandryFootball.com, and you can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We will get to Chris's big board coming up next as we continue to break down the NFL draft less than 24 hours away right here in Las Vegas. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead. the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VCN, the sports betting network. We're rejoined now by football scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. You follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. And Chris... Before we get into your big board here and some of your talent evaluations, when it comes to the news that you're hearing about Makai Becton and his future in a New York Jets uniform could not be for long, are you buying into this news? And would you think that the Jets would then go for an offensive tackle at the number four overall selection? At four, and you look at how things are going to come off the board, I think we could see defensive players going one, two, if not one, two, and three. So I think there's going to be a really good tackle available. And I think, in my mind, maybe the best player available uh, at number four is likely going to be an offensive tackle. Certainly you can make the case for a receiver, and you can make a case for a defender. Still there. So I think it would be interesting that there's usually something to it. I also think there's maybe some feeling that they might like one of these tackles better than Becton and might want to uh, look at all different options. Uh, be known that, hey, you know what? Um, might move on from them and we might consider dealing them later. A lot of those things are in play. So let's go over your evaluations now. Who do you have atop your board at the tackle position? Well, offensive tackle, I think it's Aquanu. 
they're a little bit different. They're, they're, I think that Neil and but, you know, I think if you're comfortable with that, Neil has really good length. I think he's very polished. Size, length, athleticism. I think he can be a bookend left tackle. I think he's worth passing his own blocking scheme. Um, I think that, you know, he's got the mass and the ability to move over to right tackle. So I think he's a really good left tackle and a really good right tackle. And he could be a Pro Bowl guard. So the versatility and the, the solid technique, solid technician that he is, is really, really impressive. Now, uh, E.J. State is another guy that has some flexibility have good heavy, good strong, heavy-handed pass blocker. Love his feet, good court feet. Um, he's a highly athletic guy. Uh, I think that um, you know he can be a better run blocker in Willie's time, but I think he's got maybe just a tad more upside there. So I think you can't go wrong with either one. I think Neil is more of a plug-and-play guy, where Equiano is a little bit more of a um, little bit higher ceiling. Top edge rusher in this draft. I, I think that that Aiden Hutchinson is the safer guy of the bunch. I think he's highly productive. I think he's got a lot of uh, Joey and Nick Bosa in him. He just doesn't have great arm strength. I think he's there's no real downside to him. He can play in multiple spots. He can shorten the run. Um, he's got. Speed and finesse moves. Um, I, I think that his play strength has got to get better. And I think there's some limitations there. But there's no downside. In other words, he's going to play and play well and be a starter for a team, you know, for a long time. Now, in terms of Trevon Walker, um, look, he's a guy that has more upside. The way they played him at Georgia was how he was a better fit for him is a two-gap defender. He hasn't shown, you know, he's a rotational edge guy. You can play three different looks with him. Um, I think he's got enough twitchiness and quickness in him to be a good pass rusher. I think he plays with a good motor. He just doesn't have great pass rush production, and I don't know that he would have what I would call the elite pass rush skills, even though You know, time speed. I think that's more of a good uh, not as high of a ceiling, but a very high floor in Aiden Hutchinson. Um, a higher ceiling than Trevon Walker. Avon Thibodeau is a guy with a lot of ability, but takes more plays off than you'd like. I think Jermaine Johnson is right in that I think he's better in a two-point stance. Uh, but I think he's a good edge player. So I, I think that all of those guys, in terms of value, would be in play in the top five picks in this draft. Interesting stuff. Who is your top defensive back? Well, I think that the the, the depends really what you're looking for, but I've got the same grade, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley, Ahmad Garner, and I think that uh, in terms of Hamilton, he's a better fit. Like I, I, I would not if they don't go. Like I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like 
you know, at 11, he would be a great You know, the, to me, Kyle is a guy that's going to play, you know, a, a, a sub-package linebacker that's got linebacker safety skills. But I think that Ahmad Johnson is a that has got all the tools in the world, good hips, uh, doesn't get beat a whole lot. I think he's a real cover two, cover three schemes with his physicality. I think Derek Stingley is probably being undervalued at this point. Maybe some people are concerned about the fact that he's coming off of an injury, but he's got outstanding ball skills. Let's remind folks, he was as good a corner as there was in college football as it can be. Because he hasn't played much due to injury, sit out. Uh, I, I think people have forgotten on him a little bit. He may, he's got the best upside of any of any defensive back in this draft. And if I had to guess on who would be the the best player, maybe in this entire draft, certainly in the secondary, upside it would be Derek Stingley. But there is some concern about him coming off of an injury, and we'll see how that plays out. And finally, your wide receiver board. Who do you have on top? Well, I think Garrett Wilson is going to be complete. But I got to tell you that there there are four guys, and I would probably Williams as the the most explosive guy again coming off of an injury. I think that in terms of his run after catch ability, he has that ability. I mean, elite speed to change a game. I think Garrett Wilson does as well. I think he's got a lot of polish to his game. So I would go with those two. But what are you looking for? Do you want a big guy that's an elite player? Drake London is certainly that guy with a lot of upside and great speed. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a Mike Williams type of guy? Are you looking for even a bigger James, um, a Tyreek Hill type of guy? I mean, somebody in the middle. I mean, you can have your pick of those three in my view. And I think Chris Olave's pretty well. I'd put him fourth in the group. Really, really good group. And I think all four of those guys, for me, have first-round grades. And I would say that uh, any combination of Williams, Wilson, and London, it wouldn't surprise me if you know who came first off that board. I think that's the case for any one of those positions. Will the Steelers select a quarterback in the second round? Well, I think that at 20, I think it depends because I don't know who. They really like, so who's there? I think that if Pickens, uh, Pickett or Willett is flips there, might be a possibility. I think to me, it's a it's a reach to some degree, even if you take one of those two. But I, I would be at least comfortable at twenty, considering if I was going to consider a quarterback, those are the two I would consider. I would not consider any of the others at twenty if I were them, even though it is a big need. I'm just not comfortable there, so I can't answer what they'll do. But that's kind of how I see it. What happens at 20, and would they be a player moving up? Well, it's interesting because um, it's going to be a, be a big, you know, important decision for them for their quarterback future. Chris, always appreciate the time and incredible insight. I know it's been a very, very busy week for you. Enjoy the first round coming up on Thursday, the rest of the draft throughout the weekend, and we'll be in touch soon to recap it all. Hey, thank you, Scott. Enjoy it as well. Take care, buddy. Landry, check him out. LandryFootball.com is the website. And you can always follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball, current scout, uh, consultant. Uh, great website, and he's just locked in. I mean, he was in draft meetings all day, uh, and all week he's been uh, in DC. 
guy knows his stuff. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN. Coming up, we're going to get back into the NBA playoffs because we have not one, not two, but three closeout games coming up on your schedule here for Thursday night. Will all three of them end the series? Maybe two? Only one? None? We'll find out coming up next. This is The Look Ahead. The VSIN betting experts have put together everything you need to bet on the draft, so you gotta go check out the VSIN draft betting guide. Mock drafts, analysis for every team, odds, best bets for the first round, and more. Get the VSIN draft betting guide now, only $10. Go to vsin.com slash draft. If you are still in a market that allows you to bet the draft, whether you use DraftKings or wherever else you go, here in Nevada, we can no longer bet on the draft, but multiple states around the country, you are still able to bet the draft. Get the draft betting guide, lock in your draft bets, and also, you know, DraftKings is going to be doing live betting during the game. Absolutely wild. Should be a lot of fun going on here tomorrow night in Las Vegas. Also tomorrow night, we got three NBA games, three closeout games. We had two closeout games here on Wednesday, and the Bucks ended the series against the Bulls. And the Warriors ended the series against the Nuggets. Uh, for the Warriors, it was the gentleman's sweep. Uh, what is the gentleman's sweep, you ask? Well, the team that has the home court advantage wins the first three games of the series. So they win the first two at home, then they win game three on the road. Then in game four, they relax a little bit. They kind of allow, I'm doing air quotes for the radio people, kind of allow the team to get a win on their home court. Send the fans home happy. And then the series goes back to the team that had the home court advantage. They get another day of tickets and concessions and all that fun stuff that goes on in the arena. And they finish off the series on their home floor in front of their fans. It's a sweep, but it's not a four-game sweep. It's the gentleman's sweep. So that's what happened here in this series with the Warriors. And now looking at the series that will possibly wrap up on Thursday. Sixers at the Raptors. Philly laying a point and a half. Philly. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. 
I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Has not looked good in the last two games. 110-102 losing in game uh, four, which I thought could be the gentleman's sweep, right? A little relaxed. They just won the first three games of the series. Series is over, right? No team in NBA history has ever come back from 3-0 down. So the series is over. They relax, they lose, it is what it is. But then they're home with an opportunity to end the series in game number five, and they lay an absolute egg. And I don't know if it's Joel Embiid's thumb or whatever. I mean, the Raptors, they're dealing with their own injury issues, right? I mean, Scotty Barnes came back from his injury. They're still playing. They're playing without Fred Van Fleet. And Sixers laid an egg. Now the series is back in Toronto where that crowd will be on their side. Where. Matisse Thybul will not be able to play for them. Now, what has he done in this series? You know, if you think he's a, a factor or a non-factor or whatever. Um, you know, Thybul did get uh, 14 minutes in his last start, but he didn't do much. He was a minus one. He did have three uh, fouls. He had one turnover. He only scored two points. So the dude is not really a, a factor, if you will. But he's not going to be able to play because of the whole vaccination status in Toronto. Still, the crowd will be there with them. And there's a reason why this line is as small as it is. This is a close to a pick Now, you got to figure home court, they've been giving three points or so for home court so far in these playoffs. And maybe that's a little too much. But let's say, you know, take a look again at the last game that was in Philadelphia with an opportunity to close out the series. The Sixers are nine-point favorites in that game. Nine-point favorites, meaning that they would be six-point favorites if you're giving them three, which I, I believe is too many points for home court. But okay, let's say they give them three for home court. We're talking six for a neutral court game. Meaning Philly should be, theoretically, a three-point favorite in Toronto. Not the case here. Philly's only a point-and-a-half favorite in this game. So you already have the line kind of in the favor of Toronto. The line value, if you will. You, You have... Maybe I would think the zigzag would be built in the other way so that the Sixers might be getting more of the spread. But looking at game number, let's see, 
I guess these games are more indicative. Game number three in Toronto was Philly minus two. So it's a little bit less than it was in game two, and in game three, excuse me. And in game four, it was Philly minus two and a half. So now it's Philly minus one and a half. These are things to consider when you're looking at this. I think it's maybe close to panic time for Philly. They could lose this game. And if they lose this game, the pressure is on. First of all, the pressure is on them now. But now it's really ramped up with the Game 7 because anything can happen in a Game 7. And we're talking about going somewhere that only three teams in NBA history have done before, which is be down 0-3 or up 0-3 and go to a Game 7. That is dangerous territory. I kind of think we're getting there, though. I might lean towards this Raptors team, if we're being honest. Suns and Pelicans, Phoenix minus two. It's interesting. Uh, the Suns in game uh, number, I guess, four, when they lost in New Orleans, they were a two-point favorite. So no real adjustment on that line. Except this is a Pelicans team facing elimination. And haven't we seen the desperation spots have a little line movement? Like it's baked in a little bit? Like which way this thing should move? You would think that because the Pelicans are in a do-or-die situation at home, the line might move in favor of them a little bit. And we're talking about Suns maybe laying a point instead of laying two. It's an interesting conversation to have. It's an interesting idea. Do the Suns wrap this thing up? I don't know because I'm a little worried about, you know, Chris Paul in game three without Devin Booker, I thought was going to be fine. And he was fine. But I was concerned about his energy level and his effort level in game four. And we saw the Suns lose game four. So game five, he's okay. They're okay. Game six, with a quick turnaround, I just wonder if the Pelicans can stave off elimination here. Could. I think they could. Suns are a deep team, though, which helps them tremendously. Mavericks take on the Jazz. This one is tough for me because spread has moved so much. Right now, the Jazz are favored by a point. And that's kind of where I thought the line would be. I just, the more I think about these teams, the more impressed I've been with the Mavericks throughout this series. And it just seems to me that this Jazz team has one foot out the door. And I don't, I'm not saying that they're not going to fight. I think the Jazz, I think the Jazz in the first half are, are the play probably. But then, let's say the Mavericks go on a run here in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter. This thing gets to be a 10, 15-point lead. I just don't know if the Jazz have the fight left in them to come from behind to stave off elimination here. I think they come out strong. I really do. 
And I, I, I would be surprised if they didn't have a lead after the first quarter or maybe after the first half. I think the third quarter is going to be the most important quarter of this game. You could say that about a lot of NBA games, but if Dallas gets out to a double-digit lead, I'd be very curious to see how Utah responds. Donovan Mitchell is going to give it a go, but all it takes is him landing the wrong way, and he's going to be out for this game. I think that has to be a part of your consideration if you are even entertaining the idea of backing the Utah Jazz. I don't know if that's the right move here. I think it's Dallas or pass. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Still to come, my conversation with Chris Andrews uh, from behind the book there at the South Point. We'll get into the Major League Baseball slate for uh, Thursday and finalize the draft bets, which we've already placed, but you can still place in certain jurisdictions. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.